uh, been tackling difficult, controversial uh, topics like divorce and undocumented and politics, the topic that we're going to try to tackle today is not necessarily controversial. It's not something we debate about. Rather, it's something we simply ignore. We just don't talk about it. We don't think about it. And it's the topic of aging. It is right around us, but um, it is uh, uh, something that we simply don't like to talk about. And so we wanted to put a spotlight on it. And I'm so privileged uh, to introduce uh, our guest speaker for today, Pastor Corey Ishida, and his wife, Rain, is here today. And Rain, can you stand up and let's, let's welcome Rain. Rain and Corey have been uh, mentors to my wife and me over the decades. And if uh, you wonder, who are my mentors? Who are the people that I seek out when I need wisdom? And, and it would be Corey and Rain. And they have been with us in, in so supportive ways for so many years. In fact, when we dedicated our building here, it was Pastor Corey who came. And I still remember the message. Uh, don't think of this as your destination, but rather a destiny. Don't think of it as like now you've arrived, but rather what is it that God wants to do in and through uh, this church. And so we're privileged to have Pastor Corey speak first, and then immediately afterward, we're going to have one of our own um, members, Aveline, give her testimony via video, and she's here, and, and we'll be hearing from her a little bit afterwards. So Pastor Corey, would you come and deliver the word to us? Let's welcome Pastor Corey. Thank you very much, Steve. It's a blessing to be here. Uh, I've been able to preach from this pulpit a couple of times, and it's always been a real privilege. Uh, let me uh, tack on something to what Derek shared uh, about the biblical or the gospel-centered counseling. Now, all of us are going to be, at, in some occasion, a counselor to somebody. If, you have, if you're a parent, you're going to be counseling your kids at some juncture in life. In Ephesians, it talks about speaking the truth in love. Uh, the two components there is truth and in a loving fashion. And one of the things you'll learn in, in the uh, gospel-centered counseling is how to speak the truth in a loving way. Uh, Pastor uh, Kim and Pastor Tim, they're really excellent teachers. Uh, Kim, Tim and Kim, it's not because their names rhyme that they're joined together at the hip regarding this, but they're both very uh, well-informed about, about gospel-centered counseling, and they're excellent. They're both excellent, excellent teachers. So let me encourage you. When we did it at our church, we had about 250 to 300 people on, a, on a, a sign up for the class and attend the class over uh, the period of time. It's a long period of time, but it really flies by. As I said, it's a real blessing to be here. Um, you know, whenever I hear a speaker speak someplace, I don't know them. Sometimes I like to know a little bit about them. I've been in ministry, a senior pastoral ministry for 42 years, and I retired in April. Uh, I was in youth pastorship five years before that. My wife and I have been married for 50 years. I have three children and 13, about to be 13 grandkids. 11 at the moment and about to be 13. Let me explain that. Um, one of the things I also like to see is pictures of uh, the speaker's family. So we have pictures of my family. I'm, I, I refrain from showing you the entire photo album. I think we have a picture of my family. There it is. We went to Hawaii on, for our 50th wedding anniversary. We took the entire family. It's interesting how when you hit 50, you pay for the trip. <laughs> so... Uh, I guess I have to get up closer. I hope I don't lose the uh, sound. Okay, uh, this is our oldest daughter, and this is her family, three kids, husband. 
This is our middle daughter, and this is her family. She has, our, our, uh, she has a little one, three years old, and the oldest one's uh, in college. And then, that's a wide range, huh? <laughs> and then this is my, our youngest daughter, and this is her family, three daughters initially, and these are two little foster kids. And hopefully by the end of the year, they will be adopted into our clan, which makes 13. Now, part of the reason why I showed this to you is not only so that you get a little bit to know about me and my wife, but also this picture could only have happened because of these two people. <laughs> right? In other words, there are aged people in that picture who are the progenitors of this particular clan. And so there's three generations represented there, and there can only be three generations if there was a generation to start it. And God used that initial generation to perpetuate uh, the, 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 the lifelines of, of, of the family. And so I wanted to show you that. You know, family is really important. And we try to do family things together as much as we possibly can. Now, part of the reason why, as uh, Steve shared, I really love getting together. You know, Steve is filled with wisdom. Even though there are times when he asks me for counsel, I always love listening to your pastor as he visions about the future for the church and for the Asian American work in particular. But when he asks me, he's always so gentle and kind. And he says things in a, such a diplomatic way. He said, we're doing this series, on, and part of the series is on aging. And he says, you know, Pastor Crow, you just have so much experience. <laughs> and I heard, I read between the lines, he really meant, you're, you're old. And so maybe you can speak on this subject. Because sometimes it takes an older person to share about the elderly for it not to be too offensive. Because I'm going to say things that, you know, coming from a young, younger lips could be construed a little bit differently. Well, one of my favorite verses about aging is Proverbs 16, verse 31. And this is what it says. Gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. There's a lot in that verse. So I'm going to look at the first part of it. Or that's a jump off point. Now, we have a guy in our church who's a hairdresser. I don't know if you're supposed to call him that, but a hairdresser. He's really good at his craft. And every once in a while, he'd come to me over the past maybe 10 years. He'd say, Pastor Corey, Pastor Corey, let me dye your hair. <laughs> like, at first I thought, well, what's wrong with my hair, right? He says, let me dye your hair. It'll make you look younger. That's really what our society wants, isn't it? To make me look younger. But I never wanted it done that way because of this verse. Look, look at that verse again. A gray head is a crown of glory. I couldn't wait to one, keep my hair, and two, hopefully it turns gray. Because the Bible says it is a crown of glory. And I'll share with you why in just a few moments. All right? So I kindly refuse his offer, and I want to stay gray for as long as the Lord keeps me here on earth. Aveline has practically white hair. She is really wise. All right? <laughs> Now, let me begin with the challenges of growing old. And I think it's important for younger people to understand the challenges we older people go through. All right? So let me just share a few of them. It's, it's not an exhausted list, but it's the one that I think I identify the most with, and I hear this the most among the aged. First of all, the challenge of health loss. The challenge of health loss. Younger people, those of you who are in junior high, high school, you don't even think about this. But as you get older, you start thinking about health issues. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Bible says that our physical being is decaying. Our physical being is decaying. Verse, chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, 
But though our outer man is decaying, I'm not going to read that part of the verse. Our outer man is decaying. The Bible's full of truth. And one of the truth that communicates to us is that as you get older, your body starts to wear out. Now, uh, as I grew older, I had to compensate for my age when I preach. One of the things I had to do is I get those, you know, the, you know how bankers use that little bit of a, it's, it's sort of a paste that they use and they, and they put on their hands so they can count money? As you get older, your, hand, fingernail, your fingers dry out and you can't turn pages. That's why you see old people doing this, older people doing this. <laughs> I did that once when I did, doing my, with my Bible. I went, and my wife afterwards said, don't do that. That's disgusting. And I thought, yeah, she's right. It's disgusting because nobody will want to touch my Bible after that. And so I got the, that little thing and I put it on. I put it on before service today to make up for the fact that I don't have sticky fingers anymore. Uh, our body just starts to, to lose stuff. Now, when you get into a group of post-65 people, and you, let's say you're sitting at a table, and it's all your older relatives, I'll guarantee you that one of the things they're going to talk about, even in your presence, is their health. Because one of the most important things for older people is their health, because we begin to lose it. Right? Uh, coming up here, I took a look at the steps. I don't know if you noticed it, but I had to walk up gingerly. Because as I prepare for retirement, something happened to my knee. I have degenerative arthritis in my right knee now. Went to the doctor, went to the orthopod, did all those tests. Says there's nothing you can do about it except for knee replacement. Now, I was a jock all my life. I thought, okay, when I retire, I can go play golf two times a week, three times a week. I can't because my body is decaying. It is a part of growing older. I don't lament over it because I have my gray hair. <laughs> I'd rather have my gray hair than a sound knee. All right? But um, I'm getting things done about it. And I thought, okay, Lord, then you're just going to have to show me. First, I got depressed. I confess, I did get depressed because I have to hobble around a little bit now. But man, that's a part of growing old. I'm, I need to embrace it because God has something else for me. Secondly, there's a, there's a challenge of hearing loss. Hearing loss. It's part of your body sort of decaying, but I put it into the category by itself. Uh, one of the most common things that happens to those who are aged is you begin to lose your hearing. It happened to me. All right, and um, to, so my wife would say, uh, Corey, and she'll say something, I can't hear her, all right? And then uh, I know her mouth is moving, and I can kind of hear noise, but I couldn't make out the words. And for the longest time, I resisted getting hearing aids. This is for the aged, all right, or those of you who are about to become aged, mainly because of pride. I didn't want those things around my ears, because then it makes you look what? Old. But the fact is, I am old. <laughs> and what, what convinced me was I started to not hear things in important meetings at church. I, I got to pick up on these things. And what happens when you start to lose your hearing is people around you think you grow dumb. You're, you know, you repeat yourself because you ask them to repeat themselves. Oh, what did you say? What did you say? And they think, what is wrong with grandpa? You're not as sharp as they used to be. No, I just can't hear as well as I used to. So I went and got hearing aids. The first ones I got... I tried out were the ones you put into your ear. You know why I've got the ones that you put into your ear? So people wouldn't see them. What's that called? Pride, hubris, vanity, all right? But the problem with the ones inside your ears, all you hear is amplified sound. That's all you hear. I could hear everything. <laughs> I would walk, and I could hear the carpet crunch. <laughs> I was at a reception. I heard tickling of glasses two tables away. And I realized how miserable Superman must be. <laughs> He has super hearing like mine. I, I can't, I don't know how Superman does it. So then I got to replace all the ones I have now over the ear because then you get 
ambient noise besides the amplified noise. And I, I feel back to normal. But it's all part of, of your body slowly decaying, for lack of a better term. Right? So those of you who are having, have hearing, especially you men, go get tested and go get a hearing aid. Because they found out that if you don't get a hearing aid and you just sort of live with that, and your mind, your mind grows dull on that area, that part of the brain, and it, it can increase the onset of Alzheimer's. Secondary reason, not just that the fact that you're going to hear better, but it may help prevent maybe the onset of premature Alzheimer's. All right. They're doing studies in that area. But have heart, take hope. Why? Because Matthew eleven fifteen says this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, when Jesus said that, he was speaking to the masses and they all had ears. So he wasn't saying those of you who don't have ears. He's saying those of you who have spiritual ears, listen. So even though I can't hear as well as I used to, even with my hearing aids out, I still have spiritual ears. For that, I give thanks to God. And I can hear things spiritual from the Lord as I read and as I listen to sermons and as the Lord speaks to me. Then thirdly, there's a challenge of, hear, of memory loss. Memory loss. Senior moments. This happens now all the time to me. Younger people, it maybe happen on occasion. The older you get, this is going to happen. You're going to go do something. You walk into a room, and when you get to the room, you forgot what you were going to do. I always have a show of hands of who has experienced this, but I'm not going to because when you get older, it's going to happen more frequently. So instead of getting frustrated, I just say, I'm going to go back to the other room because I'll remember it. <laughs> and then if I remember it, I'll write it down. Older people use Post-its all over their house. I, I do it with my wife. We put Post-its up. The only problem is that you see the Post-it long enough and you forget what it was for. <laughs> yeah. This is all part of growing older. And if you don't adjust, you'll go crazy or you think there's really something terribly wrong with you when really you're just getting older. Deuteronomy 6.12 says this, Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt, Egypt out of the house of slavery. In Deuteronomy, God says repeatedly, remember, remember, remember. But most of the stuff he wants us to remember is long-term memory. Remember the faithfulness of God who brought you out of slavery. Older people don't have problems with long-term memory. That's why they keep telling you the same stories over and over. <laughs> they just forget that they told you the story. But they rem I, I remember the things that the Lord has done and give praise to God and teach it to the next generation, it says in Psalms. Right. So that doesn't require really good ears, physical ears. Then there's a challenge of people loss. The older we get, we begin to lose people. And that's something where you can come aside your older, the older people in your family and help support them in that. I had the privilege of, of knowing John Wooden a little bit. Got to meet with him four or five times in his home. And I actually had the privilege of meeting him the last year of his life. About six months before he passed away, I met with John Wooden. And um, one of the things he lamented about a little bit was the fact that he was 99 years old and all of his peers are gone. He buried on his, his, his wife, his beloved wife, pretty early actually, his, his families, his, his cousins, everybody in his generation were gone except for him. And he lamented over that fact. People loss is difficult. As I began to do funerals of people who were slightly younger than me, it was really hard and difficult. And that's one of the challenges of growing old. It's a blessing to grow old. But as you grow older, you begin to lose people whom you love. And that's a challenge you need to, to pray over for your your beloved mothers and dads and grandpas and grandpa, grandmothers. 
But the Bible says in John 14, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And for I go and prepare a place for you. That's the thing that gives us that hope. Hope even as our body is decaying. Well, now let me share with you some of the benefits of growing old. Some of the challenges I just talked about. Let me share with you some of the benefits of growing older. First of all, our soul is being renewed daily. Our soul is being renewed daily. 2 Corinthians 4.16, we'll refer back to it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why? Though the outer man is decaying, which is kind of depressing if you think about it too much, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. This is not just for older people. This is for everybody. But I think it means a little bit more as you grow older because you sense your body starting to fail you a little bit. So why should we not lose heart? It's because we're not just physical beings. God gave us a soul and a mind. And that's what he's going to renew by the spirit and by his word on a daily basis. And you appreciate it more as you grow older, unfortunately. We should appreciate it our entire lives. But as our body begins to betray us, we say, but there's something there that still gives us hope. What is it? Man, we can be renewed every day in our souls. Let me, tell, let me just quickly give you four ways of renewing, regardless of what age you are. First of all, by reading and studying the Bible daily. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 tells us that. Secondly, praying on a continual basis. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Praying, don't be anxious, but praying in everything by prayer and supplication. Thirdly, dwelling, in the, dwelling on the things above. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. He said, don't dwell on things below. Dwell on things above, Paul says. Fourthly, fellowshipping with Christians. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. All right, just a fellowship of believers. If there's any consolation, have consolation in this. And one of the things he talks about is the fellowship amongst believers. The strength, you know, we live in a place called Atherton. My wife and I moved at a retirement community when we were age 60. We did that so we could sell our house to our young, our middle daughter, but also because the plan was always to go there. And one of the things that they've studied and, and it's been verified over and over and over again is as you grow older, especially when, if your spouse were to die, it's important to stay in community. Because if you stay in fellowship, you will do so much better rather than isolated by yourself at home. And so you look at Atherton, people there just do well. Why? Because they're in community. Fellowshipping is important for your inner self to be renewed on a daily basis. Proverbs 10, 7 says this. This is a great, great verse. The memory of the righteous is blessed. The memory of the righteous is blessed. You know, when you, were, when you die, when I die, I mean, what's going to be said? I've done a lot of funerals over 42 years of ministry. And in the last 10 years, I've done a lot of funerals of older people, older than me. And so I usually meet with the family to discuss the person's life, to know what to share. Whenever I meet with the family, you know what they never say to me in memory of the person who just died? Man, he made a lot of money. You should see his portfolio of what he invested in. They never said, you know what kind of awards he won at work or she won at work? You know, you know all, all, the, all, the, all the power they had at work? They never say that stuff. Never. Because when, you, when it gets down to the final analysis, that stuff ain't that important. What did they talk about? Man, he was just so good to us. You know, he loved us. This is how he loved us. 
he had a good name. People really thought highly of him. Those are the things they talk about at the time of your demise. Not how much money you made, how much education. They, never, they don't say he's had five degrees, four doctorates, one master's. No, he's just a good man. He loved us. He was there for us. The memory of the righteous. Memory of the righteous. Secondly, we get to see a part of our legacy. As we grow older, we actually get to see a little bit of our legacy. An average American will live 25,550 days. By our 70th birthday, we would have spent 23 years sleeping, 17 years working, 11 years watching television and playing, and with, with devices today, I think that number is going to grow. I'm not sure that's a good thing. Six years eating, two years getting ready. That's a combination of men and women there, two, two years. All right. Men's probably one, women maybe just a little bit more. All right. One year going to church. Well, what's a legacy? A legacy is anything handed down from or as from an ancestor. So as we grow older and as we are in life right now, we're constantly handing things down. By the way, whether you want to leave a legacy or not, you're going to leave one. Either you're going to be active about it or you're going to be passive about it. Either way, you're going to leave a legacy. You're going to hand something down to your family. Three thoughts about legacies. The legacy you received is not as important as the legacy you leave. The legacy you leave may have more influence than the life you have lived. The life you lead determines the legacy you leave. There's three thoughts about legacies. We all leave legacies. The memory of the righteous is blessed, as I shared. Right? That's part of our legacy. At my age, we have gotten to see a part of our legacy. We have seen our children grow up. We have seen our children get married. We have seen our grandchildren born. We have seen... Some of us have seen our grandchildren get married. We're not there yet. Some of the aged get to see their great-grandkids. And we, my wife and I, have seen the kids we, we taught now teaching. It's wonderful seeing our daughters teach their kids after we have taught them. That's part of our legacy. And because you're older, because you have older people in your life, you have an opportunity to see the development of legacy from one end of the spectrum or the other. And then thirdly, we have a better understanding of our hope for the future. Again, 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. Verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal but the things that are not seen are eternal. But one of the things older people understand really well is their mortality and that they are temporal. When you're 15 years old, you don't realize how temporal you are. When you're 70 years old, you do. My, um, my oldest granddaughter, who's the one that's going to college, uh, when she was about three years old, I taught her about heaven. She wanted to know about heaven. When, when you talk about heaven, you talk about death. And she said, oh, Grandpa, I don't want you to die. I said, oh, don't worry, honey. Uh, you don't have to worry about that because I'm in God's hands. God has his, my timing in his hands. And when my time comes, I'll, I'm going to go home to the Lord. So don't worry. 
So one Christmas, I got sick. I didn't go to the family gathering. And I'm always at the family gathering. So before the dinner, they came over to visit me. And Kayla came into the room by herself. And I was laying there. I must have looked pretty sick. I had the flu. So she walks up to the bed next to me. And I'm looking at her, smiling at her. And she says, Grandpa, is it time? <laughs> I said, no, I, I hope not. <laughs> no, I said, I just have the flu. I don't think it's my time. She, she still looked kind of sad. And to this day, she's still worried. She's like, she's like 20 years old. She's 20. Uh, she's still concerned about my health and my well-being. Right? It's like, it's like 17 years later. And so she had an understanding relative to Grandpa. She didn't say this about Grandma. But about Grandpa, <laughs> man, he is temporal. <laughs> Very temporal. And what I try to teach her from that is, yeah, that's why we're so happy about the eternal. You know, she knows Jesus and loves him. Finally, let me share with you the value of the agent. The value of the aged. Again, this is just a few of them. First of all, the aged are experienced. They have experience. Proverbs 20, 29 says, The glory of young men is their strength. The honor of old men is their gray hair. What's the implication there? Older men, why do you honor them for gray hair? Because gray hair means they've lived a long time, which means they should have garnered understanding and wisdom from the knowledge of the scriptures and the knowledge they have of God. And that's true. There's a Hasidic Jewish statement that says this, for the unlearned, old age is winter. For the learned, it is a season of the harvest. So if you sat with the Lord for 40 years, and as you grow older, it's the season of the harvest, where you can take all that you've gained through experience from the Lord and through his word, and you can begin to apply it in life even ever more effectively. Job 12.12 12 says this, Wisdom with the aged, with long life, there is understanding. That is so true. Aged people have more experience. I had the privilege of having dinner once with John MacArthur. Right? And he was 75 years old at the time. This was about five years ago. And the reason why I, ha I wanted to meet with him is I wanted to find out how a 75-year-old guy would do, can continue to do ministry and do it well. Because I thought he's doing ministry well still. And so I got there and I thought, this is kind of a touchy subject. But we finally got to the point. I said, you know, when are you going to retire? And he said, no, I'm not going to I have no plans for retirement. Well, I said, Why? I mean, you're, you're 75, why? And at that time, I was, I was like 68, I think. Um, and he said, you know why? Because I know so much. That was not a boastful statement. He just was saying, you know, I've learned so much over ministry, over all these years, that there's things I don't have to even think about because I already know it. And I thought, you know, he's right. Yeah, he's absolutely right. You know, we have such experience and opportunities to learn things um, it's just a blessing. The aged are a blessing to the church if you're utilized. So never sell older people short. They have a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom. Secondly, the aged are still productive. Psalm 92 says this, The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. One prerequisite is you dwell in the house of the Lord. 14, they will still yield fruit in old age. They, will be, they shall be full of sap and green, very green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. The Bible says the aged are still productive. They should be productive. Why? Because their inner person is being renewed day by day. Job 2.28 says, It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I don't want to parse that verse out. The fact remains, young, younger people have a responsibility, but so do older people from the Lord. There's three things everyone needs to give to the Lord. Three things. Time, talent, and treasures. At least three. Time, talent, and treasures. The elderly still have all three. They got a little bit of time. They still have some talent. And they still have some resources. They're still productive for the Lord. Thirdly, the aged teach us respect and honor. The aged teach us respect and honor. You rise up, it says in Leviticus 19. You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged. You shall revere your God. I am the Lord. How do they teach us respect and honor? By being present. And gives everybody who's younger an opportunity to display honor and respect to those who are aged. God wrote this for a purpose. And if you have no aged around, it's hard to fulfill this. See, many churches aren't multi-generational. My wife and I, after I retired, we started visiting a lot of churches. And the first set of churches we visited, just around the neighborhood, they're either pretty much all older people or pretty much all younger people. Nobody in between. Not in between. Living hope's blessed, right? You have all the generations present. That is such a blessing. Such a blessing. And then thirdly, the ages, the aged teach us respect and honor. The aged re, re, uh, teach us respect, excuse me, fourthly. Now, let me share one other thought about teaching us respect and honor. I get so excited about this topic that sometimes I lose my place in my notes. <laughs> I, I almost said I forget where I am in my notes, but I don't know. Deuteronomy 28.50. This describes an ungodly nation. Hear what an ungodly nation is like. A nation of fierce continents who have no respect for the old nor show favor to the young. So what's happening in our society today? Marginalization of the elderly, abortions of the young. Showing no respect for either end of the spectrum. And we're supposed to if we're a godly people. And then fourthly, the aged, the aged give us opportunities to show love and grace. Did you know that? My being present in my family, my being present, my wife and I being present in our community, gives them an opportunity to show love and, and grace. How? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. I want you to turn to this one. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And Paul is counseling Timothy, and he says this, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first practice, learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. A very specific mandate. What's the mandate? You want to show righteousness in your life? Take care of widows. Take care of your grandparents. Take care of the elderly. It's a way of showing piety, Paul wrote to Timothy. The godless don't take care of the elderly. Now, there are different ways you can do it. By the way, there's a 40-70 rule you should observe. When you are 40 and your parents are 70, you should talk about end-of-life issues how your parents want to be cared for, how are you going to care for your parents. 40-70 rule. I have a whole series on this, the 40-70 rule. All right. You know, one of the things that, I'm sorry, I lost track of time. When am I supposed to be done? All right. I have one of two ways to end this message. Right. And I have them both down and one of them is on the screen. I'm going to go with the first one, guys. In 2005, I wrote a reflection 
Because in 2005, something transpired which all of a sudden made me feel like, hey, I'm getting old. And I realized that I am beyond the halfway point in my life. And so I entitled a little uh, reflection I wrote is Beyond Halfway. Beyond halfway can be a very good thing. Beyond halfway done with an exam is encouraging. Beyond halfway home after a long trip is heartening. Beyond halfway finished with a home improvement project is progress. There are other times when beyond halfway can be far less than a good thing. Beyond halfway through vacation can be saddening. Beyond halfway spending your allowance for the week can be painful. Beyond halfway in one's lifespan can be challenging at best, depressing at worst. I am beyond halfway in my life. I can see the home stretch from where I now live. I have lived more than I shall live. I have experienced more than I shall experience. I have learned more than I shall learn. I have breathed more than I shall breathe. Beyond halfway, I have seen that over the course of one's lifespan, things change. Nothing stays the same. Life is dynamic. Old passes away, the new comes. The former becomes nostalgia. The latest becomes adventuresome. What was no longer is, and what is won't last very long. The old becomes wistful, and life becomes a string of events leading to a predictable conclusion. Beyond halfway, I've seen the passing of two generations of family and the advent of two new ones. Beyond halfway, I've felt the pain of losing a sibling. Beyond halfway, I have seen my precious daughters grow up and get married. Beyond halfway, I've seen the birth of grandchildren and the hope that comes with new life. Beyond halfway, I've seen changes in the culture. Cultural icons and social trendsetters cease to exist. No more Walt Disney. No more Mr. Rogers. No more Elvis. No more Ronald Reagan. No more Mickey Mantle. No more Bob Hope. And the list goes on and on. Can, they ever, can it ever be good to be beyond halfway in one's life? How could it possibly be better to know that you will live less than you have lived? Beyond halfway could mean that your cup is almost half full or more than half empty. Beyond halfway could mean that the best is yet to come or that your finest hours are in the rearview mirror. Beyond halfway could mean your golden years are still ahead or that gilded years still await you. Is it better to be near the beginning or closer to the end? Is it more profitable to have experienced or to still experience? Is it better to live based on experience or experience based on living? As for me, I'm thankful for the life that I have lived and look forward to the life that I have yet to live. Beyond Halfway simply validates that life on earth is a temporary sojourn at best, worthy of living to the fullest, but not so worthy to be counted as all that there is. As Paul wrote, therefore do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It all depends on your perspective, the way you look at things, the way you see life itself. I choose to see this life as temporary. The best is yet to come, not in this life, but in the one that is to come. However, beyond halfway also saddens me. Beyond halfway causes me to reminisce fondly about the past. Beyond halfway makes me love my family even more than ever. Beyond halfway causes me to daydream about the future of my beloved grandbabies. But thanks be to God that beyond halfway causes me to embrace the things that are really important in this life. 
Beyond halfway makes me appreciate the things that make up today. Beyond halfway makes me savor the good things of life. Beyond halfway allows me to see the majestic mountains, the candy, cotton candy clouds, the sapphire sea, and the brightly shining stars of the night as though they had never existed before. And most importantly, beyond halfway inspires me regarding the life to come. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to experience life beyond halfway. And may I bring you glory and honor all the rest of my days. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you teach us about everything in the scriptures, even about growing old. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that I thank you that living hope is made up of many, many generations. May it always be so. And may the younger generation always honor, respect, love, and learn from the older generation as they are about to in this video. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.